Hi, and welcome to a podcast from Hope Springs Church Coventry. For more, please find us on Facebook at Hope Springs Church or on Twitter, we're at Hope Springs Cobb. Thank you and enjoy. Okay, let's just pray before we start, everybody. So, Jesus, thank you that you love each and every one of us to speak specifically to each of our hearts. And just I ask this morning that you would help us to hear what you're saying to us. Not just hear the words I'm speaking, but hear the words you're speaking to each of our hearts. That you give us the ability to hear those things and take those things on and let them be something that we don't just hear and then, God, that was nice, but it'd be something we hear and then do. We Take that step of bravery, that step of boldness and do what we need to do with those things. So Jesus, I thank you that you are gentle and, and you are caring and and, 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 and soft and, and, and but strong at the same time with our hearts and with our lives. And I just thank you that we can trust you entirely. We can be vulnerable with you. We can be free with you. And I just ask that this morning as we, we hear from your Bible, as we talk together and listen, that we would be open to what you're saying to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm... We're carrying on with this thing about what it means to follow Jesus. Um, I remember, and so I know Sai talked last week about um, kind of how do we know the Jesus that we follow? What what's the context to do with those things? Looking at the scripture, looking at the contradiction, our own experience of Jesus, those type of things. Um, and I talked the week before about the fact that what it is to follow Jesus and the, and the kind of the kind of almost, I suppose severity or the the seriousness of doing that and yet the joy that comes with that um so i want to kind of follow on with this idea of what does it mean to follow jesus we talk about following jesus we talk about we're christians we want to follow jesus all that kind of stuff but what does it mean to follow jesus how does it look day to day in our normal lives to follow jesus before i want to do that when i i told a story in life group the other day that that susie didn't like so i'm going to tell another story today that i hope you like better um you were on wednesday um, anyway, the story, in, the story in life group was yeah. Um, anyway, so about washing dishes and cleaning up and stuff. Okay, you may as well tell it again. I'll tell the story again now. No, he doesn't know the story. Okay, I'll tell the story again. So the story again. Well, I'm going to tell two stories. Now it's going to be right in the doghouse, isn't it? Anyway, two stories now. First one, we were talking about what following Jesus meant and the idea that following Jesus. We're talking about the fact that. Um, we believe that God wants to speak to us and God wants to, to, to tell us and talk to us and things like that. But I said sometimes the strength of the relationship isn't that I have to ha- have someone tell me what to do all the time. The strength of the relationship is shown in the fact that I know what um, someone else thinks without having to ask them, if that makes sense. So with Susie, I know if there's dishes on the side at home, I don't have to phone her up and go, do you want me to clean the dishes? Do you want me to put them in the dishwasher and wash up? And so I know that, that that's what she wants to do. And obviously I'm more serious things than that. And it's similar when we walk we walk with Jesus. Not that I actually do it, but anyway, I know what she wants me to do. Um, but sometimes when we walk with Jesus, it's that kind of, we think sometimes he's got to tell me what to do. And that is true, that does happen. But there's other times actually where we just, actually I know, I know that that person I'm speaking to right now, just needs a hug or just needs me to listen to them or whatever it may be and I know that that's what Jesus would do so it's almost like we're learning to kind of go actually this is what he'd do in this situation as opposed to going Jesus what would you do right now and, and there's points when it's that but there's lots of points when it's like this is what he'd do right now I know that and it's that bravery and that boldness to kind of just step out to take care of those who are in need to, 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 to be strong for the poor to stand up for those who are being um, 
criticised or whatever it may be, and to do what needs to be done, to be honest and be challenging people. But another story is interesting because that's not anything to do with what I'm talking about today. Anyway, but anyway, it's a nice story for you all. Um, the second story was that sometimes when when we think about following Jesus and we think about coming to church on a Sunday or we think about our lives in general, we expect, nothing wrong with it, but we sometimes expect these kind of hugely significant moments that kind of we look back on and go, that moment changed my life. And we have those moments. We have those moments where we look back. And I have in my life, I look back and go, that moment was a real significant point in my life. And it could be to do with my relationship with Jesus. It could be to do with just a turning point in my life. The, the first point where um, I got married or when we had children or when I got my first job. And those kind of points, they're like defining moments that kind of change your life. Or it could be things that aren't quite as positive, that a bad relationship or um, kind of perhaps a loss of someone or whatever it may be. The other moments where you think that had a significant impact on my life. And life is like that. It is made up of these moments. But life is also made up of the points in between. The, these kind of points where it's kind of, I, I was here, and then suddenly it's here, and I don't actually know what's happened from here to here to lead me to this point. Because when we just look at it as, as events, we're almost waiting for the next thing to happen before I do something. Waiting for the next thing to happen before everything changes. And it's like, and even in my own mind, you think, well, God, I just need this to happen because then that will just boost everything. We'll just go from there. And I don't think life is always like that. I think it has points like that, but I also think it has the kind of in between. The points in the the film where you just are not interested whatsoever. So they jump from one action scene to the next action scene, and we don't care about how they've got from there to there. We just know it's action scene to action scene. But we almost mentally think like that. It's like, actually, there's boring points. There's boring points in between. You think about the TV series 24. I loved 24 series, but the whole point was it's 24 hours. And so they had to make everything intense. Even the points that weren't intense had to be intense because they had to keep you entertained for the whole time. That makes sense? But that's not normal life. And that, that's not their normal life because their 24-hour period is intense. But the 24 hours before that probably wasn't. And the 24 hours afterwards probably won't be. That makes sense? And so... It's shifting out of that. An interesting story for us, and this is where me and Susie are very different, but when I, um, for those of you who don't know, me and Susie kind of met at work and at church kind of at a similar kind of time. Um, and I was working for Susie at the time. Um, so I went to be a learning mentor. She, she was my boss. Yeah. It hasn't changed at all since then. Um, but yeah, so I was working for Susie as a learning mentor um, in, at Whitley Academy. And we were kind of working together and stuff. And, and Susie... When, when we look back at that, Susie says that, that she was adamant that she wanted to marry me when, when she met and all that kind of stuff. And um, often we kind of have a laugh and sometimes not a laugh when I say, well, I, <laughs> I, I wasn't. I didn't know that when I met you at all. It wasn't at all that way. Um, but the point being, it's just different, isn't it? It's that kind of point that Susie kind of met me which just actually, I want to I want to marry him. I want to kind of spend my life with them and stuff and for me it wasn't at all but the really fascinating thing for me was I remember sitting you with you need to put the at all at the end. no 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 no, no. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. I remember I remember I remember okay at that point I, I remember then having a conversation with Jeff um, about six months maybe four months after starting to work with Susie and he said that, he just said to me he said you talk very affectionately about her and I was like okay and this is just my non-lightning fast emotional literacy mind and I was like I guess I do, don't they? And that, that point for me was a point where I was actually, I do, don't I? And the point being that, that, that from the point of meeting to that point, stuff had happened, if that makes sense. It wasn't nothing happened. My affection and love for Susie had, had been growing without my ridiculously slow emotional literacy picking up on that, but it had been growing. And my point is that sometimes walking with Jesus is a bit like that. 
that we think is this defining moment. And for sometimes it is. For some of us it is. We're different in different areas. For Susie it was. It was like, I know at this point in time. I didn't know that point in time. But over the period of time, I, someone observed something in me and said, actually, you're like this with Susie. I was like, actually, I am, aren't I? And that, that made me realise what happened in that four-month period. The way Susie picked that up from point one, for me, it was a process of time. Thinking, actually, I've changed in that four-month period. I've, I've spent so much time with that that I've fallen in love with her in that four-month period without even realising it. And it wasn't like a lightning bolts or kind of whatever it may be, but it was a process of time. And walking with Jesus is like that sometimes. That it's like, I th- it's not today, everything changes. Actually, sometimes it's a process of time. Then we look back on where it was here and think, actually, I've, I've changed since that point. And I didn't even realise. And sometimes it's someone going, you do do this, you know. Mm. Or do, do you, you act that way all the time? You're like, man, I do, don't I? I didn't realise that. And it just makes us reflect on something that, that's been happening. That we think, actually, I've not changed at all. It's, all. it's the same, it's boring. But actually, in that process, there's been so much that's changed. Mm. See, that story ended fine, didn't it? <laughs> okay. Um, and I want that, that to be our mindset, that there will be moments where it's like, bang! and stuff changes, good and bad, and stuff changes. But actually, the points in between, stuff changes, we just don't realise stuff changes sometimes, and it almost expect that. that there's something working inside of us, that Jesus is working inside of us, by, by the Holy Spirit is here now, working inside of us, and changing the way we think, changing the way we speak. And it may not be something we realise straight away, but it will be something that changes. And it's sometimes external people that go, that's different in you. Or people you haven't seen for like two years go, you've changed and it's like and hopefully that change is a good change but you've changed um, and whatever it may be so I want to have a look at that because this following Jesus thing is for everybody it's not for celebrity Christians it's not for the down and out it's not for kind of certain personality types or certain people with certain gifts or, or, or very charismatic whatever. it's for every single person there's not one person sitting in this room there's not one person sitting at home out there somewhere there's not one person in town there's not one person anywhere that this is not open to and relevant to it's open to every single one of us and when we look at the disciples we talked about this a few weeks ago but the disciples had a whole range of different jobs from fishermen to tradesmen to to, to tax collectors to politicians to, to religiously kind of zealot people they had a whole range of different jobs that were commonplace amongst the time they lived in Okay, and yet Jesus took them from all different societies, all different kind of places, and said, look, come and follow me. That he takes us from wherever we are right now and says, look, I want you to follow me. We may feel like we're not in a good place. Do you know what I mean? It may be that, that our life is actually pretty rubbish right now. That the fishermen, when, when, G- when Jesus met them, were trying to fish and had, had no joy. No success. So did, Jesus didn't go, right, I'm going to find the best fishermen, the one that's got the most fish, I'm going to pick that one over there because they're clearly the most successful. They're clearly the best skilled fishermen. He didn't do that at all. He, he, he took those who, who seemed like they didn't have anything going for them. The ones, the, the fishermen, the trained fishermen who had caught nothing despite fishing all night. The people in life who have been trying their hardest but it just fails all the time. Think, well, God's not going to pick me, is he? Because it just hasn't gone well. But he picked them and said, look, I want you to come and follow me. That we may sit in our jobs, in our homes, in our places and think, this is all I've got to show for this. That we go, this is it. And yet Jesus still in those moments goes, look, I want you to come and follow me. And he says that to every single one of us. 
whether we are a fisherman or a doctor or a lawyer or we are a homemaker or we are a friend or whatever it might be he says to every single one of us if you're a teacher or a student or whatever it might be come and follow me I want you to come and follow me and the amazing thing about this thing is if you just if you've got your Bibles just turn to turn to Matthew 4 if you haven't got your Bibles just rustle some pages somewhere so it feels like you're turning somewhere and Matthew 4 says this And we need to realise the context that this speaks to this moment now. Whatever your circumstances, whatever you're doing, whatever you're involved in, whether you're working or not working, whether you are um, training or, or not training, whether you are successful at the moment or not successful at the moment, this speaks to every single person. Because it says this, verse, Matthew 4 verse 18, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, Casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Another account talks about the fact that they've been doing that all night and caught nothing. Okay, so there's no success. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus is speaking to their profession, to their place at that time. He's speaking to every single one of us in this room right now and saying, Look, come follow me, and I will use the skills you've got, whether you think you've got them or not whether you're particularly successful at them or not, whether things have gone well for you or not, I'll use those things that make you you, and I'll use that to help you follow me. That as a teacher, he's going, look, in your profession, in where you are right now, I will use the skills you've got as a teacher to be something that, that ena- enables you to follow me. As a, as a homemaker, he'll use those kind of skills that go, right, I'm going to use those skills you you've done to take care of your family, to look after your siblings, to look after your, your parents, whoever it may be, I'll use those things to help you follow me. Do you speak to every single moment? Whether even if we think we've done that well, these guys weren't necessarily successful fishermen, necessarily, okay? But he'll still use the skills they've learned to do that. That he speaks to every single moment in our, in our lives, says, look, wherever you're at, whatever's going on, look, I will take what you've got, the little things you have, the things you think are insignificant, I'll take it and I want you to come and follow me. This is applicable to every single human being, every single one of us sitting in this room right now. He's, that same message is there. Verse 19, verse 20 is then interesting because then it says, they immediately left their nets and followed him. What's fascinating about this is in another account, it talks about the fact that Jesus actually spoke to them about fishing. A carpenter. Jesus is, Dad Joseph was a carpenter, so Jesus would have been a carpenter by trade um, and would have known about carpeting, carpentry, carpentry, carpering, carpentry, okay, would have known about carpentry. Um, And yet, in the other account, it talks about the fact that that Jesus told them to cast their nets on the other side of the boat, trained fishermen, cast nets on the other side of the boat, carpenter speaking to fishermen, and see what happens. So they did that and they pulled fish in and they. They pulled so many fish in that they had to get two boats to come and to come and catch this load of fish. This is a carpenter speaking to fishermen, saying, "This is what you need to do to be successful at that." Okay, so that potentially is, is semi-insulting. It's like me speaking to um, a social worker or speaking to a a saleswoman or speaking to that, saying, "This is what you need to do to do that." Okay, I don't know why he does that, but I do know that that he speaks into situations and goes, "Look." This is a, 
what you do. This is your profession. Let me show you that I know your profession. Let me show you that I know you and I know what works in those places and I know what doesn't work in those places. But let me show you that I can work with you where you are. I can work with you in the profession you're in because I know it. Because I know what it takes. I can work with you at home, with your family, with your friends. I can work in those spaces because I know those spaces. And he speaks into those moments and says, look, I can help you in that. Now, the most fascinating thing for me, is, and it's often missed, is the fact that he did that. These fishermen have just seen the, one of the biggest catches they've ever seen it in their profession. And yet they left it all. They've just seen the most successful night or day or whatever it might have been of, of a catch. And yet he said, look, leave this and come and follow me. The fascinating thing for me about that is that we might see successes when he comes and involves in our everyday. But he wants to almost check that that success isn't then what we follow, but it's still him that we follow. Mm. Jesus has no issue with success. Not, not at all. Doesn't, just, in some ways, I think he's just not even moved by it. I don't think it even gets into his mm. frame of reference. So he doesn't mind if we're successful. What he wants to make sure happens is that that success doesn't pull us this direction when he's going this direction and he saw with those guys look here's success for you but actually just still follow me they're like oh yeah fine we'll come and follow you because actually you're the one that brought that in the first place you're the one that kind of changed that circumstance anyway so my first thing is that that he speaks into our where we are our job our being at home our moments and he takes who we are and says look I can use that I can use you to come and follow me you can use those skills you've learned in taking care of your family, in studying, in teaching, and whatever it might be. I can take those things and you can use them to come and follow me. And you can use them to follow me in the spaces where you are. That he shows you understands what it is to be a student. He shows you understands what it is to be a fisherman. What it understands what it is to be a homemaker. What he understands what it is to take care of a family. He understands all those things. Look, I can, I can work with you in that space. So for all of us sitting here now, following Jesus is not about moving out of where we are into something else following Jesus is about where we are and him going I'll come and work with you where you are right now because the second point is this and it kind of ties into the first we some, maybe it's me but we sometimes read verse 20 they, they immediately left their nets i.e. they left their profession and followed him the, the disciples demonstrate something that I leave my profession and I follow him and whilst that might be applicable at points, it's not always applicable. The, to follow Jesus isn't to say, well, I will now quit my job and I will just go and be full-time and follow Jesus, whatever that looks like. Or I'll go and lead a church or I'll go and do this thing in the Christian world or whatever it might be. But to follow Jesus isn't always about leaving our profession to follow him or leaving our space to follow him. Following Jesus is about following him. And for many of us, it's about following him in that space we're in in that profession we're in, in that home we're in, in those spaces we're in. It's about following him in those places, not leaving all of that. Because if you just go to Mark 8, this is what it is to follow Jesus in Mark 8. It's for everybody. And the second thing is, to follow Jesus is not necessary to quit your job. To follow Jesus is to do this. Go to so Mark 8 verse 34. So it says this, when he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, i.e. to follow me, this is what it is. 
Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will, f- will save it. So the idea that to follow Jesus is to leave everything. That doesn't mean you leave it practically, quit your job and leave it, or leave your family and go, but it's that we hold everything with an open hand. That I hold my job with an open hand. I hold my finances with an open hand. I hold my successes with an open hand. I hold my failures with an open hand. I say, look, all of this is there. If, I, if, if, if you say, quit your job, Steve, I hope I'll quit my job. If you say, stay in your job and do this, I'll stay in my job. The point is, it's a, it's a mindset, not necessarily a practical thing. To leave everything is not that I just then abandon everything and go, okay, there you go, so leave everything, now I'll go follow you. Because for majority of us, to, to follow him is to be in our workplaces, to be in our homes, to be in our, in our streets, in our family places, and to follow him in those spaces, in those places. And therefore, to leave everything is not me going, well, I'll leave everything. It's me going, look, anything you pick, anything you're focusing on, anything you say, it's open-handed. There you go. It's yours. I'm, not, I'm not, not grabbing it. I'm not holding tight to my job or my house or my finances. I'm not going, right, you can touch anything except this. It's the mindset that goes, actually, you want to follow you is to say, look, anything, anything is yours. Because when we do that, we find real life. When we live that way, it's like, that's freedom. Because it's going, I trust you entirely. And it's not a pro, it's not necessarily, like I said, sorry, it's not necessarily a moment thing. It's a process. And it's that process of learning to trust him. And going, look, actually, I've seen success, but it's still with an open hand. I've seen failure and it's still with an open hand. To follow him as well then is to, to give of myself. To kind of say, look, God, you can have anything. But also to say, look, God, I give you myself. That, that he says, I deny, that you deny yourself. That, that's not we getting some weird kind of thing. Like, I'm rubbish, I'm no good, I'm pathetic. That, that's not denying myself. To deny myself is say, look, God, I will choose to give my life into these situations. I will choose to give myself into the that moment that the person that I'm speaking to in front of me I will listen to them I'll give myself to them in the sense that they, they, they will have my attention they will have my time they will have my care and my affection that Heidi Baker says it says that it's about loving the one that's in front of you that is denying yourself because that's saying look I'm not thinking about me in this moment I'm not thinking about how I can look good in this moment. I'm not thinking how I can look wise in this moment or how I can get the story back onto what I want to talk about in this moment. I'm thinking about how I can make sure that who I am is a blessing and a support and a provocation and an encouragement for that person. That everything I am, I want to look for how, how can those things be for that person. And again, that's not a moment thing. We won't walk out here today and go, right, that's sorted now, fantastic, great, no problems at all. That's a process. But the beautiful thing is as we set our direction to go after that, in six months' time, someone will say, wow, you really do just love people, don't you? You're like, I don't don't know, do I? Do do I do that? I didn't think I could do it. But they just see it in something we do. They just see it in the way that we give our attention to people. We're like, wow. God, you've really worked that in me in the last six months or last year. It's like it's changed in me, like the way that I will do that. Now, I didn't realise I was doing that. It's not about I will work hard to make myself not deny myself or whatever it may be, because by doing that, I'm making it about myself anyway. So, God, I want to help people. I want to be there for people. I want to give myself to people. That's what it is to follow Jesus. It's not about quitting work or thinking I've got to just give up everything in that moment. It's about saying, look, God, it's with an open hand and then I give of myself 
everything. That's what it is. And it does it in our workspaces, in our home spaces, in our, in our streets, in our neighbourhoods and things. So point one was the idea that this is for everybody, this is for nobody. It's in our spaces of work and our places of work. Point two, that following Jesus is not leaving our work or leaving our families and that kind of stuff. Following Jesus is about having everything with an open hand and giving of ourselves. The third thing, we just go to Mark 5. This is where it starts to get a little bit interesting. Not that everything else hasn't been interesting, but quite fascinating this bit. Mark 5 verse 1. says this so this is Jesus just gone across a sea okay and the sea is called Galilee and he's just gone in a boat and there's been a kind of big storm and Jesus spoke to the storm and he's kind of calmed the storm and whatever it may be and people are going you're amazing Jesus that's fantastic how did you do that wow wow you're incredible gets to the side and um, bear in mind if you think, put yourself in this situation imagine being on a boat and you're on a boat and there's a big storm and you get up on that boat and you go, right, just calm. And the storm calms, okay? You, you'd feel pretty cool at that point in time, wouldn't you? You'd be like, I am pretty awesome, okay? Um, and then to get to the side, you think you, you, you're still living in that kind of moment of like, I've just spoke to the storm and it stopped, okay? I'm pretty cool. Um, and you get there and this is what welcomes you, okay? It's not some kind of like... Here's the kind of TV cameras that here's a guy that's just calmed a storm. He's very cool. We want to get an interview with him. Or um, we've got kind of banners saying, yeah, he just calmed a storm or whatever it may be. Okay. This is what welcomes him. Okay. Then they came to the other side of the sea to a country of the uh, Gadareans. And when he come out of the boat, okay, he's just stepped out. Immediately, they met him out, out of the tombs. Okay. Don't decontextualize this. So think about this. This is someone out of tombs i.e. where dead people are, okay? Think about that. Think about all the films we've watched and the TV series we've watched where there's like crazy mad people that are in there. That's what this guy's like, okay? It's not kind of just kind of nice, neutral, kind of bit mad kind of guy. He's like, he's crazy, okay? There came uh, out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had been dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him, not even with chains, okay? So this guy is, is crazy. He is strong, and he's been living where dead people live or where dead people are buried okay so he's not particularly kind of a beautiful welcoming committee okay it's not like a nice tv reporter that's got a camera going hi nice to meet you nice to see you congratulations on calming the storm okay it's some guy that's just immediately come out to sit um Verse 4, because when he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I implore you, by God, that, that you do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the of the man unclean spirit then he asked him and said what is your name and he answered saying my name is legion for we are many and he also begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country now a large herd of swine feeding near the mountains so they're near the mountains so, so all the demons begged him saying send us to the swine that they that we may enter them and at once jesus gave them permission the unclean spirits went out of the man and entered the swine and there were about two thousand the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and dropped and drowned in the sea. So those who had fed the swine fled, and they told it to the, 
in the city and in the country, and they went to the sea what, what had happened. Verse 15. Then they came to Jesus and saw that the one who had been <coughs> demon-possessed and, ha- and had a lesion, um, sitting um, at his feet in a right mind and fully clothed, and they were afraid. And those who saw it told how, how it had happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with Jesus to depart from their region. And he got into the boat, um, and he who had been demon-possessed begged him that, that he might go with him. So Jesus is just in this incredible thing where there's a guy that, that has got whatever our stance is or whatever our thoughts that the, there's clearly some kind of demon possession going on with him. Okay, He's gone, he's, he's not in his right mind. He's kind of crazy, he's mad. He's been kind of excommunicated from, from, from amongst the people. He's kind of been sort of pushed out. They've tried not just to excommunicate him and put him out of the kind of the city and the villages, but they've tried to bind him. So they've tried to chain him up. And they've tried to chain him up amongst the dead. But he's, he, he's been able to break those chains. He's been able to free himself from that and break the chains into pieces. He's, he's kind of been cutting himself and, and crying and wailing and stuff like that. So there's not necessarily a good association with this guy. He's probably somebody who they want to distance themselves quite clearly from. Jesus come into the area and gone... Okay, this is the situation, and he's seen this guy freed. And not just seen him freed, but he's seen him freed, and then he's been clothed, and then he's in his right mind. So everything that, that about this guy that was kind of a stigma and something that meant that people didn't want anything to do with him had now changed, and he was in his right mind now. He was who he was meant to be, and he was clothed, and he looked different, and he wanted to be with Jesus. Now people are so amazed and shocked by this that they're kind of amazing and negative where they're like look we don't want anything to do with you Jesus because something crazy has happened to this guy and that scares us therefore we want you to leave the amazing thing about this is that following Jesus is sometimes like that that it's sometimes a situation where where we 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 do what we know to do in a situation and it brings supernatural transformation to a life and we expect there to be that's fantastic well done or great or at least it lead to something else and actually the response is i don't want anything to do with you or the response is not what we expect the response is not necessarily this but surely it goes from this to this doesn't it but actually following jesus isn't about it going from this to this following jesus is about it going okay you're the one in front of me you are the one that's met me it's not who I thought was going to meet me. It's not who I thought it was going to be. It's kind of completely different from that. But you've met me. And Jesus engages with the one in front of him all the time. Just the one in front of him. And he, and he brought freedom and life to the one in front of him. Now that, in theory, we think should lead to something great. But it doesn't. And he do, it doesn't move him. It doesn't affect him. He's not like, oh, that's disappointing, isn't it? But he comes across the sea. He meets this guy. He sees freedom and liberty and amazing stuff come, come to this guy. It changes his life. People come to say, go away, and he goes back. He's come across the sea for one guy. He's, he, he's travelled through a storm for one guy. And that's sometimes what following Jesus is. That I will travel through this set of circumstances, this difficult season, this difficult storm. I may even bring calmness to the storm. And yet, I'll do it all for that one person. I'll do it all for that colleague at work. 
I'd do it all for that neighbour who lives next door to me. I'd do it all for that family member that I will lay down my life for that person. I'll use the skills that I've got in work for that person. Even if I'm not appreciated for it, if I'm not celebrated for it, if it kind of seems hard, I'll do it for that. That that's sometimes what following Jesus is. And the crazy thing as well is that following Jesus sometimes isn't, is if we look at the, the guy who was demon-possessed, was crazy, was cutting himself, is now in his right mind. All he wants to do, if you read in verse 19, also verse 18, he begged him, begged Jesus that he could go with him. All this guy wanted to do is be with Jesus. All this guy wanted to do was follow Jesus. But sometimes, sometimes, following Jesus is going back home. Sometimes following Jesus is not going on some kind of trip overseas or, or kind of some amazing thing. Sometimes following Jesus is going back to the people who have rejected you. Going back to the, peop- the people who have kind of sent you out of the city. Going back to those people. That's sometimes following Jesus. Because we read in verse 19, it says this. So verse 18, and he got into the boat. So Jesus got into the boat and he who had been demon possessed begged Jesus that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home. Go home. That sometimes following Jesus is go to work. Go to your family. Go to that person in your neighborhood who needs something. It's go there. That it's sometimes not the dramatic it's sometimes not the kind of, but I want to come back on the boat with you, Jesus. I want, to, I want to travel with you and tell the story of everything you've done. He's like, no, no, I want you to do that. But he says, I want you to go home to your friends and tell the great things that God has done and how he's had compassion on you. I want you to go into those spaces you probably don't want to go to. I want you to go into those places you probably don't want to engage with. And I want you to just tell of me in those spaces. When you're bored at work, when you had a difficult day at home, when you've just been had an argument with your neighbours or whatever it may be, or something's just not gone right, it's like, I want you to go to those spaces. And those skills I, made, I gave you, those, those things that made you fishers of men, or salespersons of men, or teachers of men, or homemaker of men, or whatever it may be, those skills, I want you to use those skills to just go and tell her what I've done in, in your life in those spaces that that's what following Jesus is sometimes. It's doing those things that don't seem the kind of amazing things. It's kind of going, I'll I'll travel across seas. I'll go into the places that that are hard because I want to be following Jesus in those spaces. Verse 20 then is quite cool. And he departed. Because to follow Jesus is to just say, look God, if you tell me to do this, I'll do it. And the guy did it. He said that, that he and he departed and began to proclaim in, in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him, and all marvelled. So he went back and he told people, and he he he, he told them what Jesus had done. You don't have to turn here, but you may want to reference it. Mark seven. Verse 31. So remember where he'd been. Decapolis. Okay. The guy's gone, so Jesus has gone this way. The demon possessed guy that's now in his right mind and clothes has gone this way to Decapolis. Okay. He's here. 
And Dear Capitalist means it's kind of a group of about 10 cities. Okay, so it's not just one place, it's a whole grouping of cities. I guess, in a way, it's kind of like Cobb in that sense. You've got like Cobb, and you've got Kenilworth, and you've got Warwick, and you've got um, Leamington, you've got like places around, haven't you? Okay, so he's, he's almost gone around the whole place. And in that whole place, he's told people what Jesus has done. He said, I was like this, and then I was like this, and this is because of Jesus, and it's amazing, it's phenomenal. And it, you've got to remember that these are the people who put him away, who want nothing to do with it. He's gone back into those spaces and gone like, this is what Jesus did. And people start to marvel at it. And Mark 7, verse 31 says this, Again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, this is talking about Jesus, he came through the midst of the region of Decapolis to, to the Sea of Galilee. So remember, he's just before, he'd come across the sea, to this place, okay, met the demon possessed guy, seen him come back into his right mind, and then been told to go away. So he, Jesus goes away, tells this guy, You go this way, back to Decapolis. Jesus is then coming almost from this direction back into Decapolis, okay, where he'd been told to go away. He'd been told we want nothing to do with it because people were scared. And the only difference is the guy who had been demon possessed, who was now in his right mind, had gone into this space. These cities, dear capitalists, okay? Now look what happens. Then, verse 32, Then they brought to him one who had been deaf, and had, so brought to Jesus one who had been deaf, and one who had an, a speech impediment. And they begged him, they begged him. What, the, what was the last time they begged him to do? Begged him to leave. But now they're begging him um, to put his hand on them. Verse 33, And he took him aside from the multitude, and put his, listen to the language, from the multitude from the multitude and put his fingers in his ears and he spat and touched his tongue then looking up to heaven he said um, I'm not going to try and pronounce that bit but he said be opened immediately his ears were opened and, and the, the impediment of his tongue was loose and he spoke plainly then he commanded them that they should tell no one but the more he commanded them the more while the, sorry, the, more, the more they proclaimed it and they were astonished beyond measure saying he has done all things well <laughs> he has done all things well um, he makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak now listen to the next line verse 1 of chapter 8 in those days the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat Jesus called his disciples to him and said I have compassion on the multitude because they now have continued with me these three days and have nothing to eat and if I send them away hungry etc 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 and that's Jesus feeding the 4,000 this was a region that wanted nothing to do with him. Sent him away. And Jesus' only seeming involvement in that community is a guy who himself had been sent away. But met Jesus. Followed Jesus in the sense that he did what Jesus told him to do. Went and just said, this is what Jesus has done to me. This is what Jesus has done to me. When he comes back around, suddenly the whole region is open to him. They want to know him. They want to speak to him. They want to receive from him. And my point is this, that results are not the measure of, of what following Jesus is all about. Results aren't it. I, this year at school, I, I've had, as head of post-16, and I get told off using this language, but as head of post-16, my worst set of results in my entire school career and yet my methodology and the, and the things I've done have been better this year than ever before the impact I've had on students lives this year has been better than ever before um, not because they've necessarily said it but because I know it I know what I've done 
I know the way I've loved the one in front of me. I know I've done that. And yet the results don't match up with what I know I've done. Sometimes results don't match what we know we're doing. The results cannot, cannot be the measure. But we're so tempted to make them the measure because we live in society where it goes, you've got good successes, therefore you're the best. You've got bad successes, therefore you're the worst. And that's what society does. Jesus has nothing to do with that. Jesus goes, look, I love the one that's in front of me. It will seem like it's done nothing, but I love the one in front of me. And because I love the one in front of me, that's what I do. That's what the kingdom of God is. That's what following Jesus is. I would love the one in front of me. And if that doesn't ever bear results, it doesn't bear results. But it won't stop me from loving the one in front of me. It won't stop me from, from, from pouring my life into the one in front of me, from loving my family, my work colleagues, my, my neighbours, my friends, whoever it may be. I'll, I'll just continue to do that. That doesn't mean that I'm saying results won't happen. But my point is that the results aren't the thing that we follow. There's a brilliant scripture that, that it's funny because it's, it's quite comical. But um, in John 4, you don't have to turn there, but in John 4 it says this. Verse. I won't read the whole thing as much. We would be here all day if we do that. Verse 35. Verse 34. <laughs> now I want to do verse 32 just because this bit's funny. Okay. If you, ever, if you ever doubt whether you can follow Jesus, this is why you can follow Jesus because these guys. They, this is just idiotic. Anyway, verse 32, Jesus has just been speaking to a Samaritan woman. The Samaritan women, as we know, are not liked by Jews. Okay, Samaritans are seen as like mixed race, unclean, not good people. Okay, Jews, you know, we don't want anything to do with them. Okay, the funny comical bit is Jesus has gone, well, I've got to go from here to here. Um, and Samaria is like here. So obviously the route is here. Okay, Jesus has gone, no, 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 we're going to go here. Okay, because he wants to almost make a point that, that we go to anybody. Okay, that's not what I'm going into because we'll spend hours on that if we do that. But Jesus has gone there, so he's speaking to a Samaritan woman. Okay, not just a Samaritan woman, a Samaritan woman who who's had at least four or five husbands. Okay, and is now with somebody who's not a husband. So she's a Samaritan. She's a woman who's not really allowed to talk to as a Jewish person, and she she's also fairly free in the way that she expresses her love and affection for different people okay um that's the context the the disciples can't cope with this so he sent them away to kind of get get stuff like that they come back and verse 32 says um so verse 31 says in the meantime he, his disciples urged him saying rabbi eat so that he they think he's not eating and they need to get him to eat blah blah blah, blah. but he said to them i have food to eat of which you do not know Okay. Their response is, therefore, the disciples said to one another, Has someone brought him something to eat? I, my goodness me, someone's brought him something to eat. Okay. Because they're just not quick. They're just quite slow people. So, if you ever doubt yourself, these guys were very, very slow in understanding what he's talking about. This is the bit, though. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. The following Jesus is about doing the things that he sent us to do. It's not about. I will get this many results in this situation. It is doing the things he sent us to do. It's going, look, I will love this person. If that, that, that's what you've called me to do for the rest of my life, I will love them. I will love them and love them and love them. I will do what you've called me to do. I will, I will, 
that, that is the thing which will bring satisfaction into me. And that's difficult sometimes because we often think, well, I want to see this grow or this be amazing. And that's almost what we draw nourishment from. That someone says that, that you did that so well today. You're amazing. Look at all the results that follow you. That that's just phenomenal. Aren't you just the best teacher in the world? Aren't you just the best social worker in the world? Aren't you just the best student in the world? Aren't you just, just the best parent in the world? And it's like, look at the results. Look at your kids there, mate. You know what I mean? And we look at the result aspect of it. And there's elements of okayness in that. But actually, you say, no, no, no. My food, the thing I draw nourishment from, is to do the will of the one who sent me is not to get the results of that, but to do the will of the one who sent me. That's where I get, get my nourishment from. That, that's where I get those things from. And then he says this, do, not, do you not say, there was four months and then it comes to the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already, wi- already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that he that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice. Verse 37, For in this saying is true, one sows, another reaps. And then it says, verse 38, I saw, I saying you to reap that for which you have not laboured. Others have laboured that you may enter into their labours. How often in church circles do we have prayers that go, like, you're going to reap where you've not laboured. Okay? You're going to get, get the results from stuff you've not worked for. You're entering into what somebody else has already done. And it's great. It makes us feel good, okay? You're going to reap a harvest, and that harvest is going to be massive, and it makes us feel good. We very, very rarely hear, you're going to labour and not reap. You're going to put the work in. You're going to do the stuff that's behind the scenes. You're going to do the stuff that nobody else sees, and then somebody else is going to come along and reap for the work you've put in. That's not encouraging. That's not like, yes, come on. Can't wait for that. Okay? Because we want to go, I want to labour, because we think it's fair. I want to sow and I want to reap. Okay? A farmer is not going to be best pleased if he goes, right, I'm going to plant loads of seed in this field, it's going to grow, and another farmer's going to come along and take all that stuff. He's like, well, that's great, isn't it? Just sow my entire stuff and I get nothing for it. Okay? Now, I'm not saying, I am not saying this is that we're never going to have fruit, we're never going to have results, anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, sometimes we get caught on that being the goal. And it's not the goal. The goal is not bigger results, better this, better that. The goal is, I'm going to labour. I'm going to work. I'm going to do what you call me to do. And if it brings results, fantastic. If I don't see the results, that's okay too. Because I know I'm doing what you've called me to do. And that following Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to almost give up the need for those results to be my sustenance. Give up the need for those things to be the thing that brings identity to me. And say, look, my identity, my sustenance, things that brings energy to me is to do what you've called me to do. And I hope I see the results because that will be nice. But if I don't, I'll continue to labour. Because I know when, I, when I'm looking back, and I go, well, that's what I helped to do. That's what I helped to build. That's what I helped to change. Really interesting story, and I've said it a few times to a few people, but Bill Johnson talks about the fact that for, for years, so Bill Johnson obviously is known for the, the multiple healings and miracles daily going on in the, amongst the community and stuff like that. But he talks about for years, um, and I mean like 20 
30 years where they would pray for people and they wouldn't see anything mm. like nothing not like kind of someone got a better headache and then the headache went away like like nothing and he really started to kind of contend and pray for a breakthrough in that area and things like that and over time and stuff happened and stuff changed and it was a process of time um, and now because you stewarded that he kept managing that and doing that and then now you see Bethel and you see what they're doing it's like miracles, healing, signs one is everywhere and it's fascinating because you get kids and young people who just come and pray for somebody and they just get well they're not like kind of a headache but like cancer will go mm. or like broken legs will get healed from like kids like Zachary's age praying for them and younger do you know what I mean it's like and yet those kids are not didn't labour for that breakthrough he laboured for that breakthrough mm-hmm. and they're reaping the rewards of his labour mm-hmm. now I know I would imagine for him that that, that is as big a joy that the kids just moving that I mean it would be for me I'd love that you know what I mean but for me that, that, that's almost a, a practical example of it and that's not just about healing I don't mean that but in lots of areas that sometimes we work hard and we pray and we declare and we speak and we change and we do everything we can possibly do and we don't see what we think we should see in that situation but sometimes we're dealing with stuff in a way that changes things not just for us but for generations into the future sometimes what we're labouring for now transforms a city in 50 years time and that's difficult because we want the, the, the kind of stuff that says look you're doing the right stuff now but actually that comes from that you're doing what I'm telling you to do and that, that, that's it keep doing it keep doing it in your job keep doing it in your home keep doing it now I know we'll see things happen I know we'll see things change and we have seen many many things change but I really think God is calling us to almost look at it from a, a different perspective and go look I'm labouring in this to not just change it for me not just change it for my kids but change it for my kids' kids because it says a good father le- leaves inheritance for his children's children mm. and everything we're doing is a community mm. we are labouring to see this city this area change not just for us or our children but for our children's children that it's changed long term and it's transformed long term and that sometimes not necessarily the most inspirational of points but that sometimes it is what it is to follow Jesus and I would love the one in front of me knowing that even if I don't see it even if nothing seems to change that I'll love the one in front of me because that's what you've called me to do that's what you've given me to do that, that's what you've put in my heart I want to just do this and then I know that actually I'm not just changing their life but I'm changing the life of them and their children and their children's children that I'm reaching so far into the future in this moment but if we kind of almost miss that and go look I'm going to find where I'm going to get the best results we almost miss that and we get results now it's like oh look at this is amazing and actually I don't want results now that that are temporary I want to see a world transformed a city changed and if that means that we don't have those things immediately I'd much prefer the long term than the short term mm. I'm going to stop because otherwise I will not stop um, Jesus I thank you uh, yeah I just thank you I'm not quite sure what I'm thanking you for right now I thank you and I ask I suppose that 
you'd help us to see that in the same way Jesus saw, the same, the same way Jesus saw, things long term, the same way Jesus saw, as it says in, in Hebrews, that for the joy set bef- before him, he endured the cross. That in the same way that there's things set before us that we might not see in the moment, but it helps us to endure in the now. It helps us to, to ha- have our hands open now, to love the one in front of us now, to, to kind of give of ourselves now. For, for knowing the joy before us, the joy that sometimes is, a, is a, a year away, or 10 years away, or 50 years away. But we, help, we thank you that for that joy, we, that we see that joy, and it helps us to endure now. And I just thank you that, that joy would be something that just fills us in Jesus' name. That joy would be something that just crams into every part of our being. That life would not be a joyless slog, but would instead be a, a, a celebration of the fact that we get to, to work and walk with you. That we get to follow you. That we as a community, I ask Holy Spirit, that we as a community would know your joy in even greater measure. We'd know your joy in a way that we've never experienced it before. And I don't really know what that's going to look like, Holy Spirit, but I just ask that right now. That we would know your joy like never before. That it would just fill us. And fillers and fillers and fillers and overflow in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Have a very good week, everybody.